How's it going, everybody? Welcome to episode 158 of TLDR Podcast. We have all the boys here. Once again, um, we are, you know, we're, we're all in the middle of the dog days of summer. MLB's, uh, you know, MLB's starting to get a little uh, interesting, very interesting, considering we're about a week away from uh trade deadline or so. Um, we're, we're seeing some interesting things happen um, in the NBA and NHL as much as, I mean, as, as interesting as it can be. Um, so before I introduce the guys, um, I do want to say my own thing. I didn't have a segment today, uh, because I'm obviously hosting, but, um, I just, you know, as a resident hockey guy, I do, I do feel like I need to provide some news when it is newsworthy. And this is very newsworthy. Um, a, uh, a legend of the game. Um, it has announced his retirement today. Um, Patrice Bergeron of the, of the Boston Bruins who spent his entire um, time 19 seasons in fact uh, with the Boston Bruins um, is hanging up the skates uh, after t- 1,295 games amounting 427 goals 613 uh, assists for tw- uh, for 1,040 points six Selkie trophies um, and just a genuine incredible person uh, um, uh, for, for you know not only Boston but the entire or not and Canada but the entire NHL um, it, you know, it, it's just, it's just amazing to see, uh, you know, uh, just to see this, uh, gentleman actually finally, uh, you know, give up the skates. He left everything he, he could, um, and everything he, he, everything he had in him on the ice every single night. And it, it is just the epitome of what an athlete and what a hockey player means to me and means to, uh, most of the NHL. So just wanted to, to, you know, give my two cents out there. He is, uh, he is a, a bona fide hall of famer. Um, and he's the type of person that you put that you put a statue in front of uh, uh, the garden at because he is that type of player. And I say that I don't say that lightly if you owe me. So uh, that's all I have to say there. Alex, how are you doing? Um, NBA is getting I don't know. Are they still in spring training or what's going on there? Uh, no, the summer league is over. Um, I honestly don't pay attention to the summer league because it's very rare that really anything matters other than somebody getting hurt. Uh, but we are getting a little closer. Uh, things are things are picking up. Some some things are happening that we will we'll talk about when my when my segment comes up. But I'm yeah I'm doing well. Um, just got back from Idaho, had a fantastic time. Went undefeated at the beer pong table. Obviously, uh, saw some bald eagles. Did it, had a great time. Love that. Um, wow. You, I mean, the fact that you're uh, you're that good at beer pong is nice. I mean, I, I'm terrible at it, so um, I, I envy your skills. Tyler King, you are 10, 11 days away Ten. from 10 days. Yes. Away from being uh, away from no longer being a single man in the eyes of the law. <laughs> How do you feel 10 days left as a single man? Yeah, it's definitely feeling a lot more real. The fact that I can say I'm getting married next week is pretty wild. Uh, we uh, Yesterday, we picked up our marriage license from the courthouse. So that definitely made it feel a lot more real, too. Oh, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely feeling like we're like, we're really getting there after months and months of planning. It's really starting to feel like it's finally happening. So I'm very excited for it. Um, obviously excited to hang out with all you guys again, uh, next week. So yeah, let's, let's, let's do it. Um, I, I love that. Uh, Alex and Tyler, I think you guys can agree with me, at least from my experience, I've been to a few government offices, you know, DMV, uh, maybe a courthouse or, and everyone seems fucking miserable in every single aspect, except where you get your marriage license. This seems like the happiest people. They're so happy for you. And it's just like, 
this is the this is the kind of people that I want to you know vibe with. So yeah, what was crazy is that, that yeah. So we went to the courthouse and we you know you go through security, and without even flinching, the security guard was like uh, marriage office fourth floor. He could he just read it right away. Like I mean, obviously, like a young couple going through courthouse is probably what they're doing. But the fact that he, he just knew right away was pretty was pretty great. So he was awesome. And then yeah, the people at the at the desk were great and happy. So it was a, definitely a great experience. Yeah, I, I it, it's such a little thing, but I just I, it's something I did notice. So, yeah, James, football season is very very close. Um, you know, I guess a month, a little less than a month uh, at this point, right? I don't know. End, end of August. So how are you feeling? <laughs> and when when is our draft? Oh, uh, that's a lot of good questions. I just. <laughs> <laughs> if if football season is a month away, I gotta like hightail these previews, bro. Well, I guess it's I, September seventh, so you have you have a little longer than I than I. Uh, I was I was just making sure you're on your toes. I was not on my toes. I was definitely flat footed. My head was not on a swivel. I <laughs> <laughs> blindsided, probably broke my back on that hit on there. Um, but yeah, I have no idea when the draft's gonna be. I didn't even know when football season began. I'm gonna say a week before football season starts, so probably early September is when draft's gonna be. Um, but I'm pretty excited. Well, early September. I hope late August. So well, maybe late August. I don't know. But <laughs> I'm excited. Um, if you guys know me at all, I enjoy hosting things, and I haven't been able to do that because I haven't really had my own place. And now I kind of do. And so I, on Friday, I had people over, and that was fantastic. And I'm getting all the stuff ready for hosting football, so it's not always at Trading's house. So Trading gets to take a break for a couple, for a little bit, you know. Because for the last like what five, six years, it's been like Trading's house consistently. And now it's going to be at my house and it's going to be fun. And I'm very excited. Yeah, I'm, oh. I'm excited uh, to, to to split the duties with you. Uh, it definitely eases some pressures. And it also, you know, sometimes I don't like to host anything and I just like to, you know, go somewhere. But then you also like to host, you know, and, and just go to sleep when everybody leaves. So it, 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 there's kind of there's kind of two two parts, uh, two, 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 uh, two sides of the coin. But uh, we're going to get right into it after that fantastic intro. Uh, um we're going to talk about baseball. Tyler, um, I know that you took us through um, a bunch of, you know, series last week. How the hell did we do? And tell us all about the trade deadline. Yeah, I know a lot of people are excited to see how we did with our picks for the series last week. Um, so there was only one of the series that was a split. That was the Reds and the Giants. So that one kind of uh, canceled itself out. Which James, you predicted, which, you know, got to give you props on that. But unfortunately for this game, doesn't matter. Um, but <laughs> you, uh, two of us correctly predicted sweeps. So that played in big to the final records here. Um, but I guess we'll just go down. We'll start from the bottom. We'll go to the top. Uh, trade in. Uh, <laughs> you were four and four, uh, but you tied James also at four and four. Uh, so... You guys were a good solid 500 for the first round. That's not bad. Uh, definitely give, give, give yourself some credit there. Alex, we, with your correct prediction of the Angels sweeping the Yankees, you had a 5-4 record. So Oh, that, come on. That sweep puts you in the bump to, to, to give you a winning record. I had the best week. I correctly predicted the Reds to sweep the uh, Diamondbacks over the weekend, which gave me six wins and then only three losses. So... Your boy, the baseball guy, came out on top this week. Uh, and we're gonna just going to keep it rolling. We're going to keep the records there. We're going to do the same thing. And we're going to see who has the best record by the by the end of the season. So we're going to do this every week. Um, obviously, since we're starting kind of later in the week, we'll just do a weekend series. So these are series that have not started yet. So these are all series on, on um, going on over the weekend. So let's just dig right into it. Uh, we're going to start off with the Reds at the Dodgers. 
obviously the uh Cincinnati Reds I've been talking about I think the, 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 these guys are a wagon I think they're super fun to watch they'll be taking on you know arguably you know one of the one, one of the teams to beat in the National League at Dodger Stadium this weekend so Alex Reds and Dodgers who's your pick yeah picking the Dodgers they've been playing very well they're really really good at home um and the Reds I know you've been all up and erect for them but I think they've just been They've been like, okay, over the last couple of weeks and the Dodgers have gone through some really good teams and they're playing really well. So I'm going to go with the Dodgers. I like it. I like it. Uh, James, what do you got? I actually have the Reds winning two to one on this series. Um, I was looking at the pitching matchups and the only one I really like in favor of the Dodgers is the one that Bobby Miller will be pitching. Everything else is kind of like a toss up for me there. So I got the Reds winning the other two games that Bobby Miller is not pitching. in. All right. Not a bad pick. Trading. Uh, I have the Dodgers winning. Uh, I just, I, it's hard. Every time I bet against the Dodgers, it seems to blow up on my face. So I'd rather just not. So two, 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 one Dodgers. Fair enough. Yeah. Dodgers had a great road trip. Um, I'm bummed that one of the picks I'd lost was picking against my own team. Uh, I, I, I picked the Rangers to beat the, the Dodgers last weekend, but the Dodgers won, won the series again. So they're on a roll. I agree, Alex. I think, I think they're playing hot. I think Cincinnati is still, is still on a, on a, on a, on a hot streak um you know c- coming off the sweep they just can't beat the brewers for some reason but other than that they, they're they're playing pretty well but i'm gonna pick the dodgers here at home again like i said i think against good i think one of the things the dodgers have done really well consistently all season is is play really well against good teams um i think that they've they've done that very very well so i'm gonna pick the dodgers here for the weekend all right let's move on into the halos they are traveling to canada to play the blue jays over the weekend so who we got angels and blue jays traded for obviously, for obvious reasons, this is the marquee matchup of the week. Uh, for a lot of reasons, um, we're we're going to be talking about him later. That's Shohei. Uh, this is a divisional game, or not a divisional game, a a game that matters in the wild card race. Um, and the Angels are looking a lot better. I know they haven't they haven't they haven't been uh, you know beating the greatest of teams, but the bats are hot. Um, even if the pitching is not incredible, and for that reason, I I I just think that the LA, that the Angels just going to take they continue making steps and i think they're going to win this series two to one right angels taking it on the road james what do you got i agree angels win two one uh it's always a plus for the angels when alec manoa is pitching for the blue jays so there's an automatic win thank you very much <laughs> like that um alex who you got i uh, yeah i'm gonna go with the angels i don't know i'm i'm trying to get on the angels train i'm really hoping that they'll do it i'm not calling a sweep again that that feels like a risky game to play but i i'll i'll give the angels this one all right well i'm gonna go against the green with you guys i'm gonna go with toronto in this series i just like them at home um i think that they're they're a team that needs to win a bunch of games this is a really good uh ale wild card showdown here um angels obviously need some but i'm 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 pick the blue jays here for, for this series um, let's move on to a couple of um, division leaders in the National League uh, playing each other this weekend. The Brewers are taking on the Braves in Atlanta. This should be a, a really good matchup. The Brewers definitely playing a lot better lately. We all know how great the Braves are. So who we got? Brewers and Braves. Uh, James, who do you got? This is my sweep. I got the Braves sweeping. Um, that's that's my call. I, I, like I said last time, I can't really trust the Brewers. I just don't know why. Uh, and last week it felt like a cheapie, as Alex said, to pick this matchup, but I'm, I'm picking it this time. All right. James uh, called his sweep and picks Atlanta. Uh, Alex, who do you got? I feel like you're all going to pick Atlanta. So to try to 
even out the odds, even though I don't think this is a good pick. I'm going to pick the Brewers. Why the fuck not? I feel like Atlanta has been playing kind of just okay. They just played this last weekend or sometime last week in, in Milwaukee. So maybe the Brewers will have learned something. I don't know. I'm going to go Milwaukee. Don't feel great about it. Yeah. I mean, I did that as a strategy last week when I picked the Diamondbacks to beat the series against Atlanta when you all picked Atlanta and it ended up working in my favor. So it's not a terrible game to play. Uh, Traden, how about you? Yeah, I'm not going to go down that route. I'm going Braves. <laughs> I'm even calling the sweep. All right. So you got the Braves as well. I'm going to go Braves here too. I'm kind of, I'm not on the same page with uh, James in terms of my feelings with the Brewers. It's not a team that I can really fully trust, even though they're leading the division. It's obviously not the best division. They, you know, and I, I think just against a, a juggernaut like the Braves, I just don't really see them winning a series. But, you know, crazy theory things have happened. And that's why we play the game, right? Um, all right, let's move on to our final weekend series. Uh, the Tampa Bay Rays against the Houston Astros. A couple teams that are, you know, in a, in a wild card spot, but, you know, in a second place in their division, trying to uh, bump up and try and get that division lead. Um, so Rays uh, playing, playing, the Astro, playing the Astros in Houston. Alex, who do you got? Yeah, this is going to be my sweep. The Houston Astros. The Rays have been awful the last like three weeks um, in Houston, I believe your Don should be back soon or if not already back. Um, and as we know, that guy mashes. So I'm going Houston. Um, they're co- they'll be coming like a big, a big series with the Rangers. Um, I, you know, if you're an Astros fan, ideally they're riding high and the Raves Rays are kind of scuffling. So I'm going Houston. All right. Drayden. Because I it, this just helps the case of the Angels, the t- t- Tampa Bay Rays are going to beat the Houston Astros. Two, to, is it two? Is it two? Is it a four or is it a two? To, or is it three? I believe it's a three game. All right, we'll do two to one. I think these are all three game. If I, correct. you are correct. They are all three. Cool. Oh yeah, we love <laughs> love that. No no splits this week. All right, James, what do you got? I have the Rays winning two out of three on this one. Um, Alex was talking about how the Rays have been not doing too hot recently. But the series before they take on the Astros, they play Miami. Miami's been doing even worse. I think the Rays find their winning ways against Miami and take the momentum into this series against the Astros and win two out of three in the Astros. All righty. So, Traden, who is your pick? Because, Alex, you picked the Houston to sweep, and Alex or James, you picked uh, Atlanta to sweep, correct? Yes. Okay. Traden, who do you got? Well, I don't don't want to be like James. So, you know what? I'm going to say the Rays sweep the Astros. Okay, wow, that's gonna be a fun one to watch for, for both. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick my Dodgers sweep to sweep the Reds, which is ironic because I sweep I picked the Reds sweep. Um, so I'm just gonna <laughs> I'm just gonna go right against them this week. I'm gonna pick the Dodgers. They've been they've almost swept so many times, and I feel like they're gonna finally get their sweep this weekend at home against Cincinnati. All right, so tune in next week, and we'll definitely get those uh, final picks for you, and we'll see where we're at and see if there's any movement in the standings, but. As I said, J- James and Traden down that down there at last place, four and four, but definitely one game. behind by one game, <laughs> one game back. E- even really a half a game behind Alex, who's five and four. And That's then, true. Half a game. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm uh, I'm up, up, up a top top at six and three. So maybe we'll see some movement. Maybe we won't. We'll find out. But I'll uh, find, find out next week when those picks are revealed. But real quick, trade deadline is approaching. It is next week. Um, so we got to talk a little bit of trade deadline. I'm going to keep it pretty simple. Talking more in terms of teams instead of individual players, there's always teams that are, you know, in sell mode, teams that are in buy mode, teams that need to add to make a postseason push and teams that just it's time to just let go some assets and kind of retool a little bit. So um, I asked the guys, 
what's one team that really needs to sell this trade deadline and get rid of some assets? And then what's team that really needs to buy one team that needs to go all in and try and add some, add some assets to try and go and win a world series title. So let's start with trading. What's one team that needs to sell this trade deadline? Um, you know what? I, the, the, I, I fought over this one. I didn't want to give, give you guys like an easy one, like the, the nationals or something like that. Uh, I'm I'm gonna actually going to say I know this is crazy. I'm gonna say the actual the the Seattle Mariners, and I just and I say that because I just think there are too many teams that are that are ahead of them to to you know to make like the Angels are already probably not going to make the playoffs, and you're a game behind them. So you not only have to jump the Angels, you don't have to jump the Yankees, you don't have to jump Boston, but you have to jump all including Toronto. Like there's just no fucking way if the Angels aren't going to make it, you're definitely not going to make it. So. I'm gonna. I mean, I'm gonna say. Uh, I'm gonna say that it's time to sell. It, you know, I don't think you need to just sell the whole farm, but you know, get get prepared for the next season because you know, even I'm sitting here as an Angels fan saying the Angels are almost in that territory. Damn. All right. So after a year or making the playoffs for the first time in two decades, next year Bra- or Mares are gonna sell. But hey, man, that's that's sports for you. Sometimes shit can go real down downhill real fast. Uh, James, how about you? What's one team that needs to sell? I mean, obviously, like the Mets, like the highest payroll, they're going nowhere. They're so far out of it. It is what it is. Like they already sold Eduardo Escobar to the Angels. He gone. You still got all these massive contracts that aren't going to do you well, who are aging vets, who aren't going to be there for the future anyway. Like the big names, Verlander, Scherzer, like there is a good chance they might go somewhere because they're the Mets aren't going anywhere. Let's be real. Yeah, I think that's a good call. Probably a, a smart move for them. You know, got to get rid of some of those, uh, you know, contracts if they can retool for next year because this 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 year is not panning out the way that they wanted it to. Alex, how about you? What's one team that needs to sell? Yeah, this is uh, kind of a layup and kind of not. Uh, I believe this team has the worst record in the National League, and it's the Colorado Rockies. They never sell when they're supposed to. It is time, Colorado. You've been bad for a really long time. You make really confusing decisions by not selling on Trevor Story and then signing Chris Bryant to some giant deal, and he's played four games. So Colorado, sell anyone that's pretty much not named Chris Bryant because he's kind of the only one signed to like a long-term deal, and try to revamp something in that farm system because uh, you got You have a great stadium, and you should just try to be better. Just be better, Colorado. Yeah, that's a good call. That's another team that just for, you know, for one reason or another, just can't seem to kind of keep it consistent. And, you know, they they definitely need to sell some pieces too to try and get a little bit better. Uh, my team I'm going to pick is the Chicago White Sox. Um, I think this is a team that has a lot of really good talent. It's just not a team that, that they, they were rebuilding for a while, but it just hasn't worked out. Obviously, the Tony La Russa deal, we talked about at length this podcast, how terrible of a decision that was. And it really, you know, led the train off the tracks. And I think they just need to, to reset. Um, so I think they have a lot of really, really good pitchers that 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 they can sell off a couple of good of, of big bats um, and, and could get potentially a lot of really good return on some of their players and really kind of start to retool again, which, you know, I think for White Sox fans, that's a bummer because they kind of went through that recently already, you know, and but I think just right now it's just such a mess. I think you just got got to get rid of what you can and try and retool a little bit. So for me, it's the Chicago White Sox a team that needs to sell. Moving on to the flip side, a team that needs to buy. What's a team that's in that, that that's competing, that's trying to go for World Series, that needs to go out and get some help? Alex, who do you got? Okay, so I obviously did not pick the Dodgers because I thought that was an obvious. 
I'm not even sure this team is technically a like top tier, top tier World Series contender, but I'm going with the Miami Marlins. This is a team that for the first time, and it feels like other than the COVID season, has a legitimate shot to at least make a wild card push. They just need some help on the hitting side. And like the NL wild card right now is a mess. There are pretty much there are three teams that are tied for the same record, one team that's half game up and one team that's half game down. So that's five teams for three spots. I don't Tyler can be again, can be as erect as you want for Cincinnati. <laughs> I don't trust them. I don't really trust Arizona right now. I need to see them make moves, but like Miami has the best pitching out of all those without a doubt. So like, I think Miami has a shot to at least make the playoffs. I need to see them do something similar to the Rockies where like Miami do something to make your team better. Yeah. That's a, that's a, a, a team to watch for, you know, a team that we definitely didn't expect to be in this position. You know, it'd be, it'd be really interesting if they were go up there and get a, get, get a big piece and see if they can uh, make a postseason run uh, trade. And how about you? What's a team that needs to buy? Um, I, I was going to come on here and say the San Francisco giants just because they're my team and they've been, you know, slipping as of late, but I, I have a, I have a different one. This is, this is not a team, the entire American league East, all of them. And, and the reason is, is because they, it is by far the most competitive division in the MLB right now, because all of them are, are, have a chance at a wild card. All of them are a little more higher spending, except for the Tampa Bay Rays, of course. Uh, and the Baltimore Orioles, but these are teams that Baltimore Orioles are looking for the are looking for a full long run. Tampa Bay, same thing. Boston cannot, you know, cannot miss the playoffs. Yankees cannot miss the playoffs. And Toronto, after what happened last year, they cannot miss the playoffs. And all of them are, need to be buyers if they want a chance to compete because they are going to beat each other to shit the rest of the way. Uh, all the entire fucking division, all of it. I like that answer. I think yeah, that that division has certainly been one of the most most intriguing division races we've seen. I would almost say ever. Just the fact of how good every single team is, and they all seem to be in it. You know, you 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 can make a case for every single one of those teams. You know, uh, making a push. So that I, I like that answer, trading. Uh, James, how about you? A, a team that needs to buy. Well, I really want to say the Angels. Obviously, I want to say the Angels. Uh, I'm not going to. But quick fun fact: the Angels and the Phillies had very similar records this time last year, and the Phillies made it to the World Series, so it's not entirely possible. <laughs> and there's but a chance. There's always a chance. The The team I'm picking to talk about here is the Giants, which is Chayden's team. Because um, like you guys mentioned, like Alex had mentioned, that entire National League right there, everything is – the wild card is so intense and so close together that there's always a chance for this Giants team to actually make a push up. If they're going to make that push, they need better starting pitching and they need a better shortstop. Brandon Crawford, Casey Smith have not been producing at all. They're coming off a six-game losing streak. So what do you do? You look into people who we have mentioned on this podcast already, and that is the Chicago White Sox and the New York Mets. You'll get Verlander. You'll get Scherzer. You'll get Tim Anderson from the White Sox. Maybe even Tommy Edmond from the Cardinals. Like Those would fill the holes you need to be a very, very, very competitive team. All right. I like that a lot. Like I said, you know, we, we talk about the American League East, but yeah, that National League wildcard race is also super competitive. And, you know, uh, Alex picked one of those teams and James picked and picked a, another. So I think that uh, those kind of second tier wildcard teams definitely need to be looking to buy. And the Giants are definitely one of those teams. Um, I'm going to go with a uh, American League East team on on Traden's kind of uh, run here. But I'm going to go with the Tampa Bay Rays. 
just because I feel like they're they're a team that is so consistently good, but just hasn't quite been able to win a World Series. And this is like they need to go in to win a World Series. And you know they've they've definitely faltered off a little bit these uh, last few weeks. Haven't been 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 playing that great. They 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 have you know they're they're showing their cracks a, a, a little bit. So if they can go out and add some pieces, that American League is definitely winnable. And you know they've made the World Series twice in somewhat recent memory and just haven't been able to kind of finish the job. And I think that this could be a year where they can go out there, add a couple pieces and just go for it. Cause I think that would be such a cool story to see, you know, a team that's bottom three in payroll every single year, go out, go out and win a world series. Obviously I want my Dodgers to win, but if they weren't, I think Tampa Bay Rays would be, a, would be an awesome story. Like I said, they've been so consistently good. They deserve to finally just go out there, grab a superstar and just go out and fucking win one. Um, so I would like to see that the, 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 the Tampa Bay Rays, buy big here at, at, at the deadline so that moves on to speaking of buying big the, obviously the name that everyone's gonna be talking about this trade deadline is Shohei Otani uh, we know that after this year his contract ex- expires with with the Angels you know we don't need to talk about how great this, this 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 player is and why he's such a big asset to anybody it's just a matter of if the Angels are going to decide that they can get something in return that's worth it or if they're trying to hold on to him and hopefully sign him in, in, in free agency. It's a big decision uh, for the uh, Los Angeles Angels to to make here. So teams are going to be coming after him, obviously. And there's already been rumors of, of, of several teams, most of them in the AL East to, to transplant, that are trying to go after the best player in baseball. So my question is simply, yes or no, does Shohei Otani wear a different uniform come August 1st? Alex. No. Uh, I think the Angels, as I already predicted, are going to uh, do well against the Blue Jays. And I think if the if the Angels are within five games of a wild card spot, which I think they will be by the time they do have a really, really tough schedule coming up. I think like they go on a really long road trip and like 18 of their next 21 games or something are against teams that are above 500, um, which is tough. But I'm going to believe in the Angels. I want to see them go for it. I don't know if Shohei has any interest in staying there, but I'm going to say no because I think they'll be close enough that it will be really hard to do. And I think there's a potential you lose fans if you're close and you trade Shohei. Even though it potentially sets your team up for the next five years, you haven't made the playoffs in almost a decade you you have to go for it if you're this close and you still have them. Definitely. Um, trading your thoughts on the Angels and trading Shohei Ertan. Yes, my uh, my team in the American League. <laughs> um, look, last year I I sat in this spot around the same time said that the the fact that the Angel actually might have been a week after this this week. The fact that the Angels did not trade Otani th- this year, that was the worst decision they could have made because, you know, at, at the time I didn't think that he would sign or if you can't sign him, then now you just gave up a, a potential to just completely loot whatever team wanted him. I sit here today and say that if you trade Otani, you have a 0% chance of signing him. And and it doesn't matter if you're in a playoff spot, doesn't matter if you're close, doesn't matter at all. You, you Artie Moreno is basically waving the right flag saying, hey, you know what? This relationship is over. I think that if he keeps him and when he keeps them, so that obviously that means it's not going to get rated, 
then you not only you give yourself a chance to sign him, but that you actually believe that you've had the conversations with the player and you actually believe that you can sign him. This isn't a this isn't this is this is a Connor McDavid type of situation, not a uh I don't know, throw in any other super Jack Eichel situation. You're you're trading away Jack Eichel because he's a superstar and you can get a lot for him. He's not a generational franchise player. He's not. And this is this is a generational franchise player. He means something. He means something on his name. He mean wherever he goes, the fan the, the reason that the, that the Angels are still seeing as many fans as they are is because of Shohei Otani. That means something to the Angels organization. And if they trade him, they're not they're not only telling Shohei, no, you're you you have no chance with us, or it's just not going to work. If they trade him, they basically have already said that they already know that they're not going to sign him. Does that make sense? And so that is why I and I do believe that he has a chance to stay, and that is why he's going to be an Angel come. August 2nd. All right. So we got two for Shohei staying with the Angels. James, biggest Angels guy in this podcast. Does your boy stay or is he gone come August 1st? Oh, he's staying, bro. He's staying. <laughs> he's for sure going to be an Angel, bro. He's the city connectors are too hard for him to leave, is what I'm saying. <laughs> um, but in reality, it, it comes down. I don't really judge it based off of like what I feel and what I what I see is more based off the interviews that I'm hearing from the clubhouse, from the manager, from the general manager, from Moreno, who's finally come out and had interviews recently. Uh, but like the biggest one is coming out of the angels clubhouse and Phil Nevin saying multiple times that Shohei wants to win with this team. And he puts an emphasis on this team. I don't think Nevin go out there and say that jokingly or without putting like his entire chest into it. Like he's going to say, it and he's going to mean it. Cause that's, the kind of guy Phil Nevin kind of is. He's kind of a hard ass. Like, he's not, not going to ground with you. He'll tell you what it is. It is what it is. And even with Ipe, the translator for Shohei, when asked about the contract situation, Ipe will say, from Shohei, will say that, like, I haven't thought about the contract situation because I want to win with this team now. And that's coming out of Shohei's mouth from his translator. Uh, so, I mean, just those words alone make me think that, yeah, he wants to stay. Yeah, he wants to be here, but he's not going to, he's not going to make it easy for the Angels to sign him. Like, cause why would you, I mean, you're the best player to grace the planet earth. Like, come on now, like don't make it easy at all. But at, at the end of the day, I think he's a pretty loyal dude. I think he's been made comfortable here in Anaheim. He gets to play with Mike Trout when healthy and usually is pretty damn good this season, notwithstanding. Uh, but there's also a really good young core in Los Angeles in Anaheim, like the 25 and under club of Zach Neto, Sam Bachman, uh, ben Joyce, um, like Reed Detmers, like you have a good core there that you can build off of for the future. Mickey Moniak, like they could be good in years to come. And does Otay want to be a part of that? I think so. So I think he stays. All right. I like that. Um, I think we all are in agreement here. Um, I do think that the Angels will, will hold on to them. They're obviously going to listen and there's going to be rumors and there's going to be crazy Someone's going to probably be an idiot and say, oh, like he got traded to so-and-so and it's fake. You know, it's it, it's, it's going to be talk of the town for the next week and a half or so. Um, but I do think the Angels are going to want to at least try and they're going to they're gonna be buyers at the deadline and they're going to try and win. Because if this is the last couple of months that Shohei Otani is in an Angels uniform, I think they would kick themselves in the foot at least not trying to fucking win a World Series. Like you got to at least try to go for it with the greatest player on the planet, arguably one of the greatest players ever, because he's that kind of talent. And I think the, all the rules that are normal for like, you know, you, you're a, 
you're a, a team that's not doing well and, and you have a superstar you want trimming get assets this isn't that he's different he's Shohei Otani he's just he's a, he's a, he's an, an, another level and I do think the Angels should try and hold on to him and at least like I said if if this is the last couple of months you you have him just go for it because you you you're, there's there, 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 there's no guarantee after it but you have a good enough team that if you add a couple pieces you can certainly be competitive and you can certainly make a a uh, competitive run so I think that he will be an angel I don't think he will get moved but Crazier things have happened, so we will see if there's a crazy blockbuster, and uh, it's it's going to be fun to watch. Like I said, it's going to be the talk of the town in Major League Baseball. So, uh, but that's all I got for baseball. So, like I said, we'll, we'll see a lot of trade deadline stuff over over the next week. Uh, pay attention to those series that we uh, predicted this weekend. Hopefully, uh, maybe one of us will be perfect this weekend. Uh, but we, but we will what we will find out. All right. Thank you, Tyler. I think you answered your, you had a second answer for your question earlier on who is going to be a buyer. It's, do you believe it's going to be the angels because they need to go for it? So thank you for that. But but like you said, crazier things have happened. Yes. The Edmonton Oilers traded Wayne Gretzky. Yeah, that happened. So (laughs) it can be done. Yep. Uh, So uh, we, we will, we will definitely be, uh, you know, be watching that Uh, a week from today is what is the trade deadline. So it'll be very interesting to see how everything rolls out. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to the hoops and we're going to talk NBA with Alex. Welcome back. We are in the dog days of summer, Alex, but I know that you just like I did last week want to talk about some NBA stuff, news, uh, stuff that, you know, is, is actually pretty important to talk about. So why don't you take it away? Yes. Thank you. Trade in. Um, yeah, kind of some, some interesting storylines have come out, uh, or like news, I guess, uh, over the last three or four days, um, to talk about and because I didn't think of players to do the little game with. So we're talking NBA. um, First things first is kind of a, a problem that we've seen over the last maybe decade or so that has really been been an issue in I think a lot of the fans' eyes and definitely the players and the coaches as well, and that's the flopping to get a foul, foul shots, all that fun stuff that's going on in the NBA. So pretty much the it has been approved it is official by both the players association and and the nba itself um so there's a new rule to try to curb the instances of flopping within games um so generally what happens is if a referee calls a flop there will be a non-unsportsmanlike technical foul and on the you know on the offending players team and then the opposing team will will get a free throw um and the referees also won't have to stop play to call a flop. They can wait until the next stop in live action to do it as well. So like it could potentially still go on and then they'll just call it later, which I'm a little hesitant about that part. Cause that kind of seems like, okay, well, what if it goes, there's five missed shots in a row and the game goes back and forth for two minutes. And then finally there's a dead ball and they're like, okay, flop on James Harden three minutes ago. So we'll see. We'll kind of see how that goes. James, thank you for giggling at that. Uh, <laughs> Got you. James, as kind of the other bigger basketball guy on the pod, what are your thoughts on this new rule? Do you think it will help? And like, who do you think it will potentially like player? Would it potentially like affect the most? I I'm kind of like hot and cold on this. I like it because it, a I hate flopping, but b I don't want to slow the game down more than it's already slowed down. Yeah, like one of the biggest complaints that Tyler and Traden have who are hockey guys, they're like, yeah, the game is too slow with all the fouls, especially in the last two minutes of the game. It's just free throws over and over and over again. 
And you're going to get more free throws over and over and over again. I think that if the penalty was more stringent on a flop, instead of just giving a free throw, if the person gets a tech, the person who committed a, a, flag, or a, a flop gets a tech, you only get one more of those and you're out the game. That's a way bigger penalty. That will definitely curb that. And at that point, I don't even mind if it slows down the game because the instances of people flopping will go way down. Like one point isn't going to be the big swing of things at the end of the day, unless it's the Warriors and that one game where the ref was calling the play weird. Uh, but at the, like, at, I kind of like it. I kind of don't like it. I'm kind of, I got to see what happens this season to make an accurate full conclusion of the entire rule. Uh, who do I think it helps? Um, NBA revenue, because probably going to be more commercials. Who do I think it hurts? <laughs> uh, I think it hurts the older players. The older players who've kind of been like, who now use flops because they're not athletic enough to do everything else. Like James Harden, yeah. Braun, yeah. Dylan Brooks, absolutely. <laughs> and then Luca, who is a younger player, but damn, he flops because he's European. So I think that's what they hurt the most. Okay, I like that. Yeah, I kind of agree. And just to clarify, so again, that's a non-unsportsmanlike tech, which does not accumulate the like double tech to then get ejected. That's what I meant, sorry. Yes, no, no, no. I'm I'm just clarifying for for everybody. And then you know, as as you may or may not know, after you accumulate. I think it's 16 technicals throughout the season. Uh, might have to double check that. Then you get suspended for a game. So none of the flopping unsportsmanlike technicals will count towards those totals, um, which I agree, James. I think it will. I think if they had done it that way, they would. it would curb it pretty quickly. But maybe they're a little worried that, you know, LeBron's going to get kicked out in the first three minutes of every single game, which I mean, does not want to happen. From a marketing standpoint, obviously. Uh, Tyler, what do you think about this? Um, you know, think it will help anybody, any players in particular that kind of stand out to you that would, uh, well, maybe struggle with this new rule. Yeah, I, I had a pretty similar thought process uh, that James had where, you know, I, I agree. I don't like flopping. It's one of the reasons watching the NBA that I I, I don't like seeing that. And it's, it's definitely become a, a more 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 commonplace recently than it was from what I remember you know, um, back in, you know, the late nineties, early two thousands kind of days. Um, so I think it's good that they're trying to do something, but I agree. Like another reason I don't love the NBA is just all the fucking free throws. Uh, so the fact that the penalty for flopping is another free throw, I'm like, that's kind of like, you're kind of just neutralizing the whole situation. So I don't know how great it will really be, but I'm, I applaud them for at least trying to make an effort. You know, we'll see how it goes. Like, I, I do think that, uh, I agree with James, I think a harsher penalty might be the better solution. But I think, like I said, they're trying to ease into it maybe a little bit because there's obviously, I think they've gotten a lot of pushback from from implementing some sort of uh, punishment for popping before. So I think that this is kind of a happy middle ground to start. Um, so yeah, hopefully it doesn't slow the game too much. And, you know, free throws are annoying. But, you know, if it curbs the flopping, great. Maybe it won't. But I guess we'll just have to kind of see how, how, how it plays out. So I agree, James. I'm a little bit neutral on kind of the the rule. Um, in terms of guys, you know, I agree with you know the Le, Le, LeBron, James Harden. Uh, I think Chris Paul too. Throw him in there. You know, kind of an older guy. Uh, Joel Embiid. You know, kind of guys that are just kind of typical floppers. You know, um, it'll be interesting to see how uh, how much that those guys kind of adhere to these new rules. Yeah, I'm I'm a little worried that the penalty for it won't be enough and they just won't give a shit 
which it is. A, so it is also a one year trial basis. So they could technically change things after this upcoming season. Um, we'll just have to see how that goes. But trading kind of same questions. Um, you know, do you think this will help your just your thoughts on it? Any players particular that stick out to you? Yeah. So I flopped on this one. <laughs> nice. <laughs> right. uh, that, that, I, one, I, that, one, I, that one fell way short. Yeah, I, I loved yeah. it at first. I was like, yeah, let's fucking go. I, I think this is the worst rule you could possibly bring into the game. Okay. And and I know that's surprising. The reason is, is I actually agree with uh, Darren Fox. You're giving more power to the, to the refs. Congratulations on that one. How arbitrary is the flop? We all know what a flop's a flop, but it's so fucking arbitrary that we know there's going to be called, they're going to be calling flops that they should, that they shouldn't. And they should be calling flops that aren't that aren't called does that make sense like a flop that is a flop is not called and vice versa it, it's way too much gray area for me and you give all the power to the refs again and bro- probably you're going to see the refs just not call it because they don't want to control the fate of the game even though it's one point it's still c- controlling the fate of the game which is why i think it's fucking stupid don't give more power to the refs that's fucking stupid you want to punish these players they're never going to do this but the nba needs to do this this is what you do you want to make the nba all-star week better this is how you do it you compile a, a video for the first half of all the potential flops of, 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 of the so far of the year and then have all the fans vote on what the worst is and then show it on national fucking TV in front of all everybody and be like, and then rank the best flop. And then nobody's <laughs> going to want to be on that fucking uh, on that fucking thread. That's how you fucking do it. But honestly, you can't you can't you can't you can't do this because it's there's too much gray area and. You're you're slowing the game down already, which is not which is a problem. And I hate flops. I do. I really do. I I actually probably hate it more than anybody. But you can't penal like I understand now. You really can't penalize it because it's or at least like this because it's way too arbitrary. Um, and and that and that just seems to be the the problem. I mean, I know that Steph Curry falls a lot, and I'm not sure necessarily if it's flopping or if it's like a protection of of you know of himself i gotta know that some players kind of do that you see that a lot in football like quarterbacks don't flop they actually just kind of take a hit to to absorb the the impact and what is that going to be called like like I, who knows like you it, it's there's too much gray area for me um and i agree with the guys um i mean lebron's fucked <laughs> yeah traded i think that's a very good point with what and what is and what is not a flop because there are times where things look like a like a flop and then you see in slow motion you know a hand comes up and hits somebody like in the face and maybe it doesn't hit you know hit you very hard but it is just a a human reaction normally if you know a hand is coming near like especially your eyes that you will generally you know step back because you know that's something that's hard to hard to protect so i get that Video thing, no idea, never going to happen, but I do think that's pretty funny. Um, and we've seen it implemented in the NHL. You're not, they do call penalties for dives now. I, you know, from watching the NHL, it feels like they have that has cut back, but you can also then put somebody in the box. Right. That's not, not a thing in the NBA. And, so and usually the penalty, if it's a trip and it's still an embellishment, they both get the penalty. Yes. So, yeah, yeah. so that, that's a very good point. Obviously, you can't really do that in the NBA unless they want to add some sort of penalty box, which I th- actually kind of think would be dope now that I think about it. <laughs> um, realistically, the best way to do it is if it's egregious, you got to find the players. 
they care about money. That's the thing that would potentially, unless you're LeBron and have made a bajillion dollars and it doesn't really matter, but you know, that is probably what will hurt them the most instead of an unsportsmanlike technical foul. But I think as a collective group, we hope that this will at least stop some of the flopping. We will, you know, we'll just have to see um, kind of how that goes. Second point, moving on, the Charlotte Hornets have sold a part of their majority stake to whoever the fuck Rick Schnell and Gabe Plotkin is. Don't know who they are. I looked them up. They're business owners. I don't even know what their business is. Doesn't really matter. The point is, it's, it's you know, intriguing because the Hornets have been what feels like a terrible team for the entire 13 years that, I don't know, this guy, what's his name again? Oh, yeah, Michael Jordan has owned the team. They've been awful. So MJ is still going to be a part of the ownership group in a minority stake and will still be kind of around in a presence with the team. But Tyler, I'm going to start with you. You know, kind of obviously whoever the fuck these guys are, are not Steve Cohen and what he's done to the Mets. But we have seen in other sports how, or our our own Los Angeles Dodgers, the second Frank McCourt got out of there, the Dodgers have been a powerhouse. Like, Do you think somehow a change in ownership, maybe MJ not potentially being around as much will help the Hornets kind of get going back in the right direction? I have very little faith that the new ownership group is going to turn this franchise around. Um, Charlotte just seems like kind of one of those teams that just destined to be shitty forever. You know, I think, I think every league has one or two of them. I think in the NBA, it's just Charlotte. Um, you know, I, I, you know, don't want to wish, you know, just years and years of losing on, on any team, but you know, like I said, I think you're looking at these guys background. I think one of them, you know, is like just a hedge fund guy who who did have a minority ownership with, with the Hornets and now and now is kind of one of the majority guys. I don't know how much he knows. I mean, obviously, he's a little bit of knowledge, but to really, truly go to that step to, to turn a franchise around, not so sure. The other guy, I think, was a minority owner, owner, owner of the Hawks and now, now now is coming over to to Charlotte. You know, the Atlanta Hawks haven't really been a juggernaut in the NBA either. A little better lately, but, you know, um, still not great. So, um I think Michael Jordan being around helps a bit, but the fact that he was like, you know, the guy um, and it was Michael Jordan and I obviously owning a team is different than playing obviously, but the fact that a guy like that couldn't even help them make the playoffs more than two times in 13 years. Yikes. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. There's obviously a lot of things going on in Charlotte, but it just, it's to me, it just feels like a team that's just destined to be shitty forever, unfortunately. So sorry, Hornets fans. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously the owners, they're not players. They can't, you know, they can't go out there and make buckets and play defense, but what they can do is shell out money or, and, or make sure that they're hiring the right people to then bring in the right players, draft well, make good trades, that sort of thing. And, you know, it's not talked about in sports very much, but generally the owners have the last say in, in trades and, you know, coaching hires and GM hires and things like that. So, um, you know, Traden, what do, what do you think about the Hornets and, you know, MJ selling off part of his his stock? Is money in it? Is this just a financial decision? Do you think this will help the Hornets? What are, what are your thoughts? Um, it, it, it was interesting because um, th- this – this, I'm surprised the NBA allowed the way that this the sale proceeded because it wasn't really a for sale type of situation. It was kind of a private deal, which makes it very interesting because as soon as you do that, you limit your potential value of, of any team, uh, which is kind of shocking that the NBA would have allowed that. But nonetheless, here we are. Uh, 
I I actually think it's going to be positive for the for the uh for the team because I, I you know as much as I love Jordan um and you know love his success was his success in in Charlotte has been non-existent um he's 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 been accused of some you know nepotism so hiring you know hiring friends hiring hiring an old boys type of club and I've had issues with with owners and managers that have done that with sports teams uh, not spending enough, uh, not engaging with the, not engaging with the, uh, the organization, bad decision-making. And I think that you bring in a new fresh pair of eyes that have a lot bigger stake in it, that maybe have a little bit more of a, of a wherewithal to spend, to, to, you know, build the franchise. You might, you might see, you know, look at, look at all these other teams that are spending out the wazoo to, to, for, for success. And it, and it, you know, it's on some cases in terms of making the playoffs, it's working, uh, I think you need to bring in a fresh set of eyes that have maybe have a little bit different uh, expectations. Um, I actually think this could be uh, a positive for the Charlotte Hornets, and maybe they will not be the dumpster fire that Tyler thinks they will be into perpetuity. I like the positivity trade. I'm a big fan of that. Um, yeah, you know, a lot of it, too, is spending to upgrade facilities or spending to engage fans in a better way. You know, Charlotte is one of those cities that, they are competing with the Panthers for sure. But luckily, as we know right now, you know, football will, you know, football and basketball kind of go together at the same time. There's a little bit difference. And obviously football is such a shorter season that a lot of the time I'm going to, I looked up professional teams in Charlotte. I'm really sorry, Charlotte FC. I'm assuming you're part of the MLS, but like, I don't know, or don't care. So like <laughs> kind of only the Hornets and the Panthers, um, and maybe there's other college college teams that that get a lot of a lot of draw there, but like you can really push to make you know make your team a really high draw. Maybe that will bring in other free agents. So um, some yeah, sometimes it's just a change a change of management, a change of view or whatever can help. But uh, James, kind of same you know same thoughts. Uh, these guys coming in, Jordan, you know, taking potentially a little step back. I think it. Um, I don't. <laughs> it, <laughs> It really depends on what their first couple moves are. Um, because like when Matt Sheba took over for the Phoenix Suns, he made a move to pick up KD. And that showed that, hey, I'm a very aggressive owner and I want to win. Or they could be passive and be like MJ. But I think part of it too is that having these new owners, like Trayton mentioned, brings like a breath of fresh air. It brings new energy, new excitement. It brings a new feel. Uh, for all intents and purposes, MJ would seem like a not personable dude. He was intimidating. He had nepotism. He didn't bring in the right people. And people were afraid to talk to him and tell him, nope, let's not do that for the betterment of the team because it's MJ. You're going to say that to the GOAT? You're going to say it to the guy who's won multiple championships being a hardo, being a hard ass? And I've read that book uh, by his trainer and like talks at lengths about how he just is one-track minded and just closes everything off and gets what he wants to get done, done. And that's a lot of what he's like as a businessman too. He's like what he wants. And it doesn't matter if it's for the good of the team long-term, if he wants it, it's going to happen. And nobody could talk to him otherwise. And now you have two people who are majority owners. And now you have an entire group of minority owners, J. Cole, one of them, which is really cool. And so these people are going to be a brain trust to kind of help this Charlotte Horner team be better than a bottom dweller for the rest of their life, like Tyler had mentioned. So I think at the end of the day, this is a little bit more positive than it is negative. But like I said, you don't know until the first move is made. Yeah, I mean, it has been legitimately about 48 hours since this news broke or less. So we are 
very much speculating here. Um, and to put trading was kind of talking about like the value of the franchise. According to this one article I brought up, Charlotte is 26th in the league. Um, under teams like Orlando and Utah, and I know San Antonio had like, you know, a big run, but they're in a really small market. Even like Sacramento is like double the value that they are almost. So yeah, Charlotte, uh, hopefully this is good for you. And hopefully, uh, you know, it's a little more positive Two of the boys think so Tyler less. So, <laughs> um, and then just one kind of last thing, I think we've talked about this a lot over how we saw with the Denver Nuggets and you know, other teams that the big two and then building around them is the best way to win uh, in today's NBA. So I'm going to let the boys start their own NBA franchise. They can build a, build a court in their backyard and they have unlimited funds and they can take any two players in the league to start their franchise with Traden, Let's go with you first. Who would you pick to start the trade-ins that's what we're going to call them the trade-ins okay you call them? um i i i feel like you guys are already going to know this i actually it, it it almost was Giannis. um i thought the Giannis is just a is just a fantastic player I, but given everything that i've seen i have to i have to bring in nikola Jokic. sorry i know that's the easy layup but that's all he does is easy layups among other things he's he's incredible he he's he he makes his he brings up his team he he puts his head down and 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 plays basketball. He, I've never seen I've never seen someone make his team better. You know, I get I have I've seen a little bit of basketball, only a little bit of basketball, but he just does a great job of making his entire team better when they're on the court. And and while I think Giannis is a is is, is amazing, he really is. He's like all you know all world. Uh, he just has some offensive uh, issues like you know free throwing and, and shooting in general that I just it just is a little bit of a question mark for me. Okay, and who's your other guy? <sighs> I, I was gonna sit here and say Steph Curry. I'm not gonna say that because he's a little on the older side. That's kind of that's not gonna happen. I, I can't. You might might think this is crazy. I'm gonna say Luka Doncic. Um, he just is an incredible. Uh, you know, as much as I, he's annoying. He's just an incredible point guard. Again, uh, it, it can run a great offense. I know defensively, I've, I'm not great, but I'm not starting out great. But hey, we can build around that. Okay. I like that. No. Yeah. Uh, those are great picks. James, what about you? My first one is going to be Tyrese Halliburton because people love playing with him. He makes, he gets people open shots. He's a willing passer. He like, it's almost like when he passes them the ball, their shot percentage goes up 10 points because he gets them in the right spots at the right times with the perfect pass. That's going to attract a lot of free agents, man. Like who doesn't want the ball to score and Tyrese Halliburton will get it to you. He's a great he has great offensive acumen. He can shoot the three. He can drive. He knows when and where to do the right things. And he's loyal. When he got traded from the Kings to the Pacers, he was sad about it because he wanted to stay with the Kings and retire with the Kings. And that's when the Kings were terrible. That's when the Kings were the worst team for multiple years in a row. And he wanted to stay there because he's a loyal person. Tyrese Halliburton is pick number one. Okay. Pick number two, Jimmy Butler. And I get he's old, but you need somebody there to set the tone. You need somebody there that will lead this team and make sure that you don't get into losing ways because he will will a team to victory like he has multiple times, time and time again. We see that all always. And I think he's going to instill kind of the mama mentality that is so lost in this NBA. You like battling through injuries, playing through pain, not flopping. That is Jimmy Butler. That is mama mentality and looking to push your, your uh, teammates in practice, 
push them all the time. You create a good culture with have with Jimmy Butler there. So those two guys, I'm going to start my team with. Okay, I would not have expected you to pick those guys, but I love it. I love your reasoning behind it. Ty, Ty, what about you? Yeah, first of all, my team name is the Northern Narwhals. Um, so no, I'm surprised. We're, we're, we're vetoed, we're vetoed by the league, which is Alex. So oh, you're shit. <laughs> so because you live in Southern California, and if you build, I'm going to move. In your backyard, you can't. You said last week we're going to play Alaska. So you didn't want to move. Nope, I'm out. No. Well, <laughs> you okay. don't get to, you don't get to answer this question anymore. You're okay. done. <laughs> I will re I will reworkshop the name. But in terms of the players, I actually have a player that traded picked and a player that James picked. So we're going to be outbidding for these guys. Uh, with tra- trading trading's guy, I picked uh, Jokic for you know kind of the same reasons. I think this dude is just such a incredible talent. Um, you know he's won MVP several years in a row. He's probably going to win it again this year. Um. Yeah, and he, you know, he's a champion. I think I think for me, like guys that I was like, I was asking myself this question, like, who do I really want? I want guys that obviously like uber talented, like just a well-rounded player. And then guys that are just champions and, and just they're like, just no, there's no bullshit. Like guys that fight hard and just and just want to compete and win. And that's why my second guy was Jimmy Butler for the same reasons that James said. I think this guy of anyone today reminds me of Kobe Bryant. And, and when it comes to like NBA players, like Kobe Bryant is the player that I like love to watch the most. I think Jimmy Butler emulates that more better than anyone in two two days game. So I'm gonna go Jokic and and uh, Butler for me. Okay, I hate your team name, but I will accept your your answers. Right. I'm gonna go with two different guys. Trade mentioned one. I'm going Giannis. Um, I understand Nikola Jokic is great, but he can't play any defense, and Giannis can play defense. And Giannis is one of the only guys who could actually lock up Jokic if he really wanted to. And I just think Giannis will be able – I think his staying power in the NBA will be better than Jokic just based on physical attributes. Yes, he's not a good shooter. Yes, he's not a good free throw shooter, but he's a goddamn monster. Also, he just seems super fun, and I kind of just want him on my team. Uh, like, he likes Oreos and Skittles and shit, and I'm like, I'm into that idea. And Chick-fil-A nuggets. Chick-fil-A. A lot of it. Yeah, big, big into that. Uh, and then my second guy just got signed to the largest contract NBA history, Jalen Brown. He's kind of always been second fiddle to Jason Tatum. I kind of think if you're going to pick one of them, you pick Jalen Brown. Um, you know, I think he's a better defensive player. He's really, really smart. We've talked about this on the podcast a lot. Um, and being good with the media is part of the NBA. And I think Jalen Brown is really, really good with the NBA and with the media. And I really think Jalen Brown and Giannis would work well together on the court at the same time, which is also part of the reason why I picked them. Um, And their current jerseys already kind of have the same color scheme, and that has nothing to do with anything. They're both green. doesn't matter. Uh, Trade in. That's all I got. It was I wish we all had unlimited money and could start NBA franchises and pick our own players. Uh, But alas, that's not true. Hey, eventually we'll get there. Um, (laughs) That would be be fantastic. um thank you alex that was lots of fun um we we look forward to whatever you're gonna bring us in the coming weeks whether that's a game or whether that's more basketball talk we will uh yeah, we'll, we'll, figure, we'll figure it out we I, we always like to uh you know guess and, and stay uh and stay out of the loop until the very end which is always fun <laughs> <laughs> um we're gonna take one more break uh and when we come back james is gonna take us through the afc north Welcome back to the last segment of episode 158. 
James is going to take us through AFC North uh, discussion before, you know, six weeks before the uh, the NFL season. So, James, take it away. AFC North, ladies and gents, uh, the Northern Narwhals are not included in this list. Thank God. Should be. Um, <laughs> the AFC North, <laughs> I think, might be the most competitive in football this season. We'll find out. We're going to start off with the Cleveland Browns, last season 7-10. and 10. They lost quarterback Jacoby Brissett, defensive end Jadavion Clowney, Kareem Hunt, Chase Winovich, and Greedy Williams. But they did gain Dalvin Tomlinson, Juan Thornhill, Ugbo Aguaru, hmm. Elijah Moore, and Darius Zadarius Smith. They had no picks in the first or second round because they picked up Deshaun Watson. Yada yada yada. Alex, what's their record going to be? I still think there's some question marks, but I'm going to go nine and eight. I think they're better. I don't. Deshaun Watson, I have no idea about, but uh, Zadarius Smith and Miles Garrett on one defense is kind of scary so i'll go nine and eight i agree i have nine and eight it all really depends on deshaun watson on offense if he's anything like he was when he was with houston oh my god this is a good team but if he's not you still got that really good offensive line and a really good nick chubb to kind of just run all the time trading thoughts uh yeah for that reason james i think that I, I don't know what to think about just Sean Watson. And I don't think he's going to be as great as, as we, uh, as, as, as I guess the Browns would hope. Um, I'm not going to speak for everyone because of obvious reasons. Um, the offensive line is going to be good enough uh, for Nick Chubb to carry the load. And they're, they're going to make it to, they're, they're, they're going to make it an eight and nine, um, uh, an eight and nine season. It's going to be a competitive, competitive division. And they're going to be very close games uh, amongst the divisional rivals. Tyler. Yeah, um, obviously defense, you know, is it they're they're very good there. I think offense, as you guys the boys mentioned, a little bit of question marks there, especially quarterback. I think just because with how good this division is, I'm also going to put them at eight, eight and nine. Um, you know, I probably would have been a little higher if the division was a little bit weaker, but um, I think that they're just, they're they're going to finish just a tick under five hundred. Moving on to fantasy quarterback Deshaun Watson, ADP eighty, quarterback nine. He missed eleven games last season because of his. Suspension because massages. And uh, when he got back, he struggled mightily. Alex, which Deshaun Watson do we get this year? The Deshaun Watson with three straight top five fantasy QB finishes or the one from last year? He was picking it up towards the end. Um, I think the Browns are kind of already out of it by that point. Um, I looked it up today and I have now wish I'd written it down, but he was playing well in the last two or three weeks. I think you would be insane to think that he'll just pick it right back up and be the Houston Texans, Deshaun Watson. So he, you know, he's still young enough to, I think he could be, I think he's getting drafted where he should be, I guess is where I'm at. Like, I don't think he's going to be a top five guy, but it also would not surprise me if he dropped out of the top 10 um, just based on rust. Um, And, you know, it's pretty much been two years since he's played real, real football. So that's true. Running back Nick Chubb, ADP 17, running back seven. He finished as running back six last season. Traden, he's going after running backs like Jonathan Taylor and Saquon Barkley. Which of those three do you like more? I, I I'm actually gonna say Nick Chubb, and I and I and it's a little bit of a it, it's a little bit of you know bias because I just love Nick Chubb and I we had this conversation like two or three weeks ago. But I also say that I, I think that Deshaun Watson, I don't think he's gonna be otherworldly, like top 
10 or even top, you know, top five or anything, but I think he's going to be good enough. And with the, with some of the acquisitions on the wide receiver side, you have a little bit more depth depth on the, uh, on the offensive side. So he's not going to have to carry the load as much. And I think he's going to have a little bit more rest and have a little bit more uh, efficiency when he's actually running, especially with that offensive line, it's going to be great. I, I know it's kind of weird that usually if you have a better, you know, wide receiver core, you don't get the ball as much, but I don't think they're going to be out of this world or they're going to take the ball completely out of Nick Chubb's hands, but it's just going to be enough to give him a little bit of, you know, breathing room and a little bit of, uh, uh, you know, if there's another look, the de- the defense has another, you know, option to look at. Nick Chubb might have a little, might be able to um, exploit that. I like that. Wide receiver, Amari Cooper, ADP 45, wide receiver 17. Last season finished as wide receiver 10. Tyler, he had a 26% target share and 15 end zone targets with Jacoby Brissett as his quarterback. Is wide receiver too low with Watson as his QB now? Maybe a tad. I don't. I really don't think it's that underrated, to be honest with you. Um, I, I feel like, you know, like I said, I think there's just the, the quarterback's a big question mark. What Deshaun Watson going to get? And that's going to, you know, that that's going to affect his value at, at a wide receiver. But um, I don't think that that rating's too far off of what of what he should be. Okay. And then tight end, David Njoku, ADP 100, tight end 10. He finished a tight end 11 last season. Trade in. <laughs> he finished with 628 yards and four touchdowns last season. What are your predictions for him this year? Oh, God. Um, tight end guy, you know? Yeah, tight end guy. Um, I, I actually think that he, he, he at the very least, it can match. I think, I think, you know what? I think he's going to be good for, you know, 700 yards. I think he might even get a, a an extra touchdown. Um, I think, I think that he actually might have a little bit, you know, I, I think the offense might be a little bit, you know, more stable throughout the entire season and he's going to be targeted. He obviously, um, you know, has found the end zone, um, you know, quite a few times. A lot. He's never had five touchdowns in a season. So, you know what? I'm going to go on a limb and say that he does it. First time in his career. Five touchdowns. That's impressive. Very uh, impressive. <laughs> it's better than what's his fit. Deontay Johnson. We'll talk about him later. <laughs> Steelers coming up next last season, nine and eight. Mike Tolman has still never finished with a losing record. That is incredible. They lost linebacker Devin Bush, cornerback Cameron Sutton, and safety Terrell Edmonds. But they did gain guard Isaac Samalu, uh, cornerback Patrick Peterson, and wide receiver Allen Robinson via trade with the Rams. With the 14th overall pick, they picked Broderick Jones, offensive tackle out of Georgia. Trade in. What is your prediction? I have the Steelers going nine and eight. And the reason I say that is because Tomlin cannot go below 500. It's just, it's just doesn't, doesn't happen. It just is impossible. And I know that it's impossible to go 500 anyway. So that I, they have to have a winning record and there you go. Um, uh, again, I, I, you know, I, I think the addition of Robinson kind of, um, you know, you know, Im- improves, you know, improves the offense a little bit more. I know that there's some question marks at quarterback, but this de- defense is going to be solid enough as always. Uh, and I think that Kenny Pickett is going to have a little bit of a breakout, you know, opportunity here. Um, I don't, again, not out otherworldly, but I think it's safe to say that they can match their uh, season last year, nine and eight and have a chance at the playoffs. I agree. I also said nine and eight just because you can't have Mike Tomlin having a losing season, but I don't trust Kenny Pickett at all. Yes, his offensive line got better, but he hasn't showed me a thing. And I have no idea how that offense is going to function. Like it, it's been terrible since Big Ben left. The only saving grace I have for this team is their defense, which got better. And I mean, TJ Watt's healthy now. So scary. Tyler, your thoughts. 
Yeah, Tomlin actually can have a losing season. It is possible. Um, so that's why I got the Steelers at 6-11 and 11 this year. Um, I do think that they're going to take a step back. I think this team's young and still trying to figure out kind of the next generation of, 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 of Steeler greats. Um, so I, I, don't, I don't think they'll be down for long. I think they'll, that, you know, maybe next year and then or the next two years, they'll, they'll be back to contending in this division. But I think this year they take a little bit of a step back, 6-11. and 11. The last time they had six wins only was in 2003. 20 years ago. Fun fact. 20 year anniversary. Let's go. 20 anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> like a celebration. Yep. Let's go six wins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm uh, on the Tyler train here. Not six and 11. I have them seven and 10. James, it's kind of what you said. Like Kenny Pickett was awful last year. I, he was like 30th or under in almost every statistical category for a quarterback. And I just like, did they get better? Like, is Allen Robinson going to change that? I know their defense is great, but I I need to see it from Kenny Pickett, and I we just haven't. Um, so seven and ten, Mike Tomlin, you did a great job, but it is it it is time. Hmm. We got two winnings and two losings. That's tough. Fantasy quarterback Kenny Pickett. We are not going to talk about him at all. <laughs> he is trash. <laughs> <laughs> um, running back Najee Harris. ADP 37, running back 15. He finished as running back 14 last season after what seemed like a pretty tough year. If you were a Najee Harris owner like myself, I was like, this guy's tough. He's terrible. Alex, he leads the NFL in touches since he's entered the league, but is expected to take a major drop in touches this year. How do you feel about him being RB15? Don't feel great about it. I'm not going to lie. He's kind of one of those guys where you saw him come into the league and you're thinking, okay, this guy's a monster. He he can be, he's big enough to run between the tackles and he's, he can catch a pass from, from your quarterback as well. And we just like, nothing's really happened. It's not all come together. And I'm not sure this is the year either. Um, I still think there's, he's young enough that people are buying into the hype a little bit. Um, so what, what round would that be? That's like round three. Or Najee, that'd be round four. Yeah, I think like round four. I mean, I guess so. I, I guess that's more like on par with what I would what I would go with. It feels like he could have a breakout, but it also feels like it could just again, if you pick him as like your RB one, like you're really going for it with Najee as your number one. That feels like you're gonna have a bad time. Yeah, that don't don't do that. I tried that. Not a good not a good result. Wide receiver Deontay Johnson, ADP sixty five. Wide receiver twenty four. He had eighty six catches last season. But had zero touchdowns. <laughs> That's so tough. Trading, will he have zero again this season? <laughs> no, he's not going to have zero touchdowns this season. Um, you have to think that he's going to, uh, you know, he, he's going to improve. He, 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 it's funny because he had such a solid last, uh, last two seasons prior. Uh, you know, I know that's Kenny Pickett that we're talking about, but you have to think that the offensive line is gonna it is gonna help Kenny Pickett a little bit. And I just think, I just think the Deontay Johnson's good enough for at least two touchdowns at least and that's a low bar i'm giving him a little bit of a you know you know well, generous two two is, i think is very low for that 86 catches two touchdowns Ooh, brutal wide receiver george pickens adp 100 wide receiver 36 he's a very boom robust type of player alex last season we talked about jackson smith and jingba uh george pickens is going one pick before him so who would you rather have? Would you have rather have the wide receiver two on the Steelers or the wide receiver three on the Seahawks? 
I think I'm going to go wide receiver two on the Steelers, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It's mostly based off of target share, which I talked about last week with the Seahawks. Those two main guys in Lockett and Metcalf take up a huge, huge percentage of the target share. And I think, um, you know, I think with uh, with the Steelers, like the target share will be a little more spread out. Um, I'm not saying it's going to go great, but he does seem to be performing well in camp. There seems to be a lot of hype around him. So he does feel, James, like a very boomer bust, but sometimes that's what you need if you want to win fantasy football is a late round boom that just kind of works out for you. That would be a round 11 pick. Tight end Fire Fryer Muth. <laughs> Fire Muth, yep. ADP 95, tight end nine. Tight end seven last season. Tyler, the question is asked to you, but when you talk about him, I need you to pronounce his name. Thank you. So last week, last episode, we talked about how you thought Zach Ertz was going to be a top 10 tight end. As a reminder, Ertz is going at pick 150 and Fryermuth is going at pick 95. Who would you rather have? Fryermuth. I, I <laughs> say right? Yeah, that was good. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, I'd rather him. Why? Um, I, I, I think I think he's one of those guys that I, I think in this particular system, I trust a little bit more especially in the end zone. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to go fire with here. Okay. Moving on to the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, last season, 10 and seven, they lost a lot. They lost Chuck Clark, Clayus Campbell, Ben Howers, Kenyon Drake, Marcus Peters, Jason Pierre-Paul, and the lizard man, Sammy Watkins. They did gain Nelson Aguilar, OBJ, Rock Yassin, hell of a name, and Melvin Gordon. And then they also signed Lamar Jackson to a deal finally. With the 26th pick, 22nd pick of the NFL draft, they drafted Zay Flowers, wide receiver out of Boston College. Tyler, what's your prediction for the season? Yeah, um, they needed to sign Lamar Jackson. I mean, they finally got that done. I think that's huge. Um, and I think that this, you know, the, the Baltimore Ravens, I think defensively are going to be solid. Um, I think they had they 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 did lose a bit on offense, but I think that what the pieces that they added and kind of retained, I think are, are going to make them competitive. I like them at nine and eight this season. Um, I, I I think they're going to be a good team. I think they're going to make a push for the uh, playoffs for sure. Um, so I like what Baltimore did in this offseason, even though it was, a, it was kind of a little bit t- tumultuous, but I think they came out in a positive t- direction. Alex, as you mouth the word tumultuous, what, what do you think about this team? I'm just really proud of Tyler for getting that word out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I agree. I, especially since Tyler and I are coming on the ones that are a little bit down on the Steelers. I still think the Ravens can be good. Lamar Jackson, you know, has, has more weapons around him. Granted, all these weapons would have been really good five years ago instead of today, the OBJ Aguilar Gordons. Uh, but I'm going to go with their, their 10 and seven again. I still think this is a pretty good team. Um, I think they'll be fighting for a playoff spot. I just I think they're more of a complete team, and I trust Lamar more than I trust Watson or Pickett, obviously. <laughs> and then trade. Baltimore Ravens. Ugh. Baltimore Ravens went ten and seven without uh, Lamar Jackson in five of those games. Um, you know, missing, and that's pretty impressive. I think this team. I think this team's easily good enough for twelve wins. And I know that's kind of crazy, but and the reason I say that is because, and and I saying this because as, as someone who does not trust Lamar Jackson. I'm going to trust him this year for one last time. He has, he has one chance to prove me right here. One last chance. He has more. He has more weapons than he's ever had. Was with the you know first round pick Zay Flowers. I think that's huge. I think OBJ. I know that 
Alex is right. Five years ago, that'd been great, but he's still he's a, he's still a very serviceable and 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 great quarterback or uh, wide receiver. Uh, the def- the defense completely you know changed. Um, uh, you know, uh, once they got Rokon Smith and they looked so fucking good, and I think that that defense is enough to to keep them well within games. And I think that we're going to see Lamar Jackson really uh you know really take a step in the throwing direction. We already know that he's he can he can run the ball like crazy, but. I think he's. I think he's going to be turned into a a little bit more of a dual threat more than I, than I had ever thought possible. This is going to be a team that we that we should be watching out for. Wow, you said twelve and five. Yes. Wow, I have eleven and six. Um, a lot of what Trayden said is true. The the offense is going to be completely different now. Greg Roman is out. They were they're not going to run the ball ninety percent of the time anymore. They're going to throw the ball more, and they've they've done that by establishing OBJ, Zay Flowers. Using Mark Andrews way more often. This is now going to be a passing team, not a run team. The issue with that is I don't know if Lamar Jackson can still pass. No, like it, it's questionable for me if he can do that. Um, but if not, that defense, that secondary is top five. So Jim Harbaugh always delivers a good defensive team, and here we are again. Quarterback Lamar Jackson for fantasy ADP thirty six. Quarterback five. Traden, we taught you mentioned this a little bit earlier, but one of the reasons why Lamar Jackson was always so high on fantasy was because of his run game. They have a new system now, and he won't run as much. Does that make you second guess him at QB five? No, because I think he's. I think he can still, uh, you know, rely on it when he needs to. If 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 he's, you know, if if he's getting out of trouble. Um, but you know, I I, I still think that he he slots in right perfect, and he and it, you know, in fact, I think. With weapons that he has, and and um, you know a, a little bit better team around him, I think that he might even be able to take a step forward in the value department and get some and get some uh, throwing uh, throwing stats and throwing uh, fantasy points on the board. Wow, running back J.K. Dobbins, ADP seventy eight, running back twenty four. Alex, he has not looked like himself since he come back from the ACL injury. Do you trust him at all? I think he's a very low end RB two. Um, you know, if you happen to have Eckler, CMC, Nick Chubb, I don't know, one of the, one of the big boys, then you can maybe have a little bit of risk with him. Uh, but as we've talked about, this offense seems to be changing into more of a of a passing offense and a running offense. So, no, I no, I guess the answer is no. But if unless it really just falls into your lap and you and you want to have some faith in him, but um yeah he was on my team team last year and it did not did not go well <laughs> wide receiver obj adp 102 wide receiver 39 he missed all of last season recovered from his acl injury and he's also hinted that this season will be his last season so i think he's going to leave it all on the field this season tyler currently projected at 676 yards and four touchdowns what do you think he'll end up with I think I think he's gonna out project that. I'm I'm gonna go closer to 800, and I'm gonna give him six touchdowns. Um, I I think I think he's gonna have a pretty solid year. Um, like I said, you know, I think taking a year off, you never really know what's what 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 can happen with that. But you know, if this really, as he's saying, could be his last year, I think he's still young enough, and he's obviously talented enough to go out there and have a very very good season. So I'm I'm, I'm gonna go slightly above what his projections are. Tight end Mark Andrews, ADP 34, tight end two. He finished last season as tight end four. Traden, is he the clear tight end two in your eyes? Or do you like people like TJ Hawkinson, George or Darren Waller instead? Um, obviously, I like Kittle more as a tight end, but non-fantasy. It's just I, I think Mark Andrews is the clear number two, just given the fact that he's 
he, he's, I mean, obviously I actually think he's number one, but Kelsey's his own. So I'm not counting Kelsey. So he's number one in the, in the tight end, uh, uh, bucket. Yeah. I mean, Kelsey's pretty much wide receiver anyway. So <laughs> moving on to the last team in the AFC North, the Cincinnati Bengals last season, 12 and four, they lost Jesse Bates, Von Bell, Eli Apple and Hayden Hurst, but they did gain Orlando Brown Jr. Nick Scott and Irv Smith. With the 28th pick in the draft, they picked Miles Murphy, a defensive end out of Clemson. Alex, what are your thoughts? This is a legit and very complete team. Um, the Cincinnati Bengals have done a really good job turning everything around, um, you know, pretty much since they draft Joey B. Um, traded, I don't know how you pick the Ravens to go 12 and 5, because I think that's what the Bengals are going to do. Um, I, I have the Bengals at 12 and 5. It feels like they're the class of this division um, and one of the one of the better teams in the AFC. You're absolutely right. They are the class. That's why they're going to go 13 and four. <laughs> <laughs> they're going 13 and four because this is an all around fantastic team. This, this offense is electric. I have no issues with the offense. Um, you know, I, uh, in, in fact, um, you know, I, I think that they can even, they can even improve on what they did. I know that we're a little bit scared about, um, the best, most important defender defensive positions and the safeties being, uh, being shipped away, but this, th- who they, who they, uh, who they brought, who they signed Orlando uh, Brown jr. Um, uh, you know, Irv Smith among others. And then the, 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 uh, drafts that they, uh, the, the picks that they, uh, that they, uh, picked in the draft. I, I think that you're going to see a versatile young def- defense that's that's going to be underrated at this at this moment. They're probably a little bit underrated. This is going to be a team that is that is going to make it to the AFC Championship once again three three years in a row. Tyler, yeah, I agree. I think this this team there's not much to uh, to be picky about. I think they're 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 a very good team. I think that they're going to run away with this division as good as it is. I have them at thirteen and four as well. I agree. Trade in, just a great team, and um, I I think they're going to have another fantastic season. Wow. See, I had 11 and six guys. And I, my issue here is the safety position. Like Trayden mentioned, they lost two starting safeties and they replaced it with Nick Scott out of the Rams, who wasn't that great anyway. And you, the safety position now, I think Eric was foretelling in what he said is very important. Now (laughs) this is the passing league. The safeties are involved in every single play and they don't have two starting caliber safeties. They barely have one. And I I think that's going to be a huge detriment to them. Can they outscore the defensive in proficiencies? I don't know. With Orlando Brown being that better offensive line, my gut says yes, which is why I'm saying 11 and 6, but you can't have a perfect season with a shitty defense. That didn't happen. Quarterback Joe Burrow, AP 30, quarterback 4, finished as quarterback 4 last season. Alex, solidified O-line, terrible defense, prime Jamar Chase, and prime T. Higgins. Is this the year that Joe Joey B reaches 5,000 yards passing and 40 touchdowns? Keep in mind, last season, 4,600 yards and 35 touchdowns. Yes. Joe Burrow, in my mind, is the clear number two quarterback uh, after that Mahomes guy. That Mahomes guy. That random guy. Yeah, I heard heard him. (laughs) Running back Joe Mixon, ADP 30. Running back 11. Finishes running back 10 last season. Uh, Tyler, Travis Etienne is going one pick ahead of him. Who would you rather have? Uh, Definitely Mixon because he's on my team, so. Uh, he's he's got to have he's got to have a good season um yeah so go that's go better question is are you keeping him that that is to to be determined (laughs) i have another question that you do not have to include in the podcast do you know who travis Etienne is he plays for the jaguars right yes he does there we go i'm proud of you fucking go that trivia question (laughs) alex didn't get a chance to answer it's so sad 
Um, you, buddy. <laughs> last but not least, wide receiver core. Jamar Chase, ADP four. Wide receiver two. Finishes wide receiver 11 last season after missing five games. And wide receiver T. Higgins, ADP 31. Wide receiver 13. He finishes wide receiver 19 after missing three games. Traded. Would you rather have Jamar Chase in the first round or T. Higgins in the fourth? Yeah, I'm taking Jamar Chase. <laughs> Jamar Chase is just, it, 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 I mean, he's the number two. I mean, and behind, behind uh, you know, J.J., I mean, you have you have to pick you have to pick the best player available when it comes to the most important positions at the number one position of whatever position it is. He's he like he's a WR one, so you have to pick him. Like you you can't not have him. Um, T Higgins just not does not provide enough value if you have an opportunity to to have Jamar Chase. Yeah, a lot of draft capital there, and that wraps up the AFC North without the Northern Narwhals. Thank you very much. All right, thank you very much. Um, I assume we are going to the NFC North. Uh, yeah, we get to talk time. about my favorite player, Kirk Cousins. Everybody oh, can go yeah. watch quarterback on Netflix. It's great. Oh, thank you. Uh, no, no, no free ads. So, uh, <laughs> so. <laughs> no. but uh, thank you very much, everybody, for sticking with us uh, for another great episode. Um, you know, like I said, dog days, dog days of summer are here. Uh, stay tuned and and stay tuned with all that is MLB this week because um, that's really the most important thing uh, in in my opinion. I know that uh, besides the uh, besides the women's uh, national team in their quest for the World Cup, um, aside from that, the MLB is is at the tops of our minds. I think um, especially when it looks at when we look at Shohei, none of us think that Shohei is going to go away. But just stay tuned and in, in we will see. Um, uh, we love you guys. We um, we hope you have a great week and uh, you know pay it forward.